0: This talk was given at the North Carolina Zen Center. Our programming is made possible through the support of our members and friends. If you would like to make a donation to the center or become a member, please visit us at www.nczencenter.org. We have found that it can aid one's understanding of a Dharma talk or Teisho if you sit in meditation beforehand, and we encourage you in this practice. Thank you for listening. Uh, back uh, to Yunmen, uh, master, great master Yunmen, uh, from the Tang Dynasty, uh, one of my favorite masters. Uh, so we're going to look at uh, case number six of the Blue Cliff Record, the Hekidan Roku, which is Yunmen's Every Day is a Good Day. So Yunmen addressed the assembly, saying, I don't ask you about the days before the 15th of the month, but what about the days after the 15th? Give me a word about those days. Yen Men himself answered for everybody. Every day is a good day. And that's the end of the case. When he says... He answered for everybody. I imagine all of the monks in the monastery, not knowing what to say, not able to respond. So, before we get into the case itself, let's let's remind ourselves of a little bit about Yun Men. I think it's really important to stay connected with the fact that these were real people, living real lives, uh, doing real training and, uh, real exemplars of, of how deep we can, uh, our own understanding can go. So I'm going to read from an old book, uh, called The Golden Age of Zen by John Wu. And he, this book is short, but it goes through all the way from Zen and its origins, um, through Bodhidharma um, founding Zen in China all the way through to um, the end of the Tang Dynasty. And the Tang Dynasty was the what is the gold, referred to as the Golden Age because it's when Zen flourished the most in China. So I'll just read from this chapter on yin men. And he starts, John Wu starts, he says, Chan masters, the Zen masters, uh, like other men, excuse the, the, uh, well, let's change it. Chan masters, like other people, may be divided into two types. Some are slow breathers, others are fast breathers. Of the founders of the five houses of Chan, which is Kui Shan, Tong Shan, and Fa they belong to the slow breathers, while Lin Chi and Yin Men belong to the fast breathers. And uh, by the way, Lin Qi is Rinzai. Uh, okay. So Lin Qi breathes fast enough, but Yan Men breathes faster still. Lin Chi's way is like a blitzkrieg. He kills his foes in the heat of the battle. He utters shouts under fire. When the lion roars, all other animals take cover. And he goes on. But then he, he, he says, um, Lin Chi only kills those he happens to encounter. Yun-men's massacre is universal. This business about killing, uh, I hope you all know that what he's talking about is the sharpness of the teaching, how it kills ideas, You know, cuts off the ideas. Uh, he continues, Yun-men is a radical iconoclast In one of his sermons to the assembly, he related the legend that the Buddha, immediately after his birth, with one hand pointing to heaven and the other pointing to earth, walked around in seven steps, looked at the four quarters, and declared, above the heavens and below the heaven, I alone am the honored one. Of course, that's a very famous part of the legend of the Buddha. After relating this story, Yinmen said, If I were a witness to this scene, I would have knocked him to death at a single stroke and given his flesh to dogs for food. <laughs> he said, he continues, this would have been some contribution to the peace and harmony of the world. Again, cutting off ideas, cutting off from Above the heavens, below the heavens. Yun Men said, at one point, he said, um, John Wu says, at the beginning of his first sermon as the abbot of Ling Shu Monastery, was typical. Uh, Yun Men said, Do not say that I am deceiving you today by means of words. The fact is that I am put under some necessity of speaking before you and thereby sowing seeds of confusion in your minds. If a true seeker should see what I am doing, what a laughingstock I would be in his eyes. But now there is no escape from it. In other words, it's, it's tough to put this stuff into words. But what else... What else can you do? (laughs) You have to try. And yet, words fail. His own enlightenment came with Master Mu Chao. Um, It says, He went to see Chan Master Mu Chao, the disciple of Huang Po, hoping for the necessary instructions. But as soon as Mu Chao saw him, he slammed the door in his face. When Yunmen knocked at the door, Mu Chao asked from inside, "'Who are you?' After he had told his name, Mu Chao asked, "'What do you want?' Yunmen replied, "'I am not yet enlightened on the vital problem of my own self, and I have come to beg your instructions.'" Mu Chao opened the door, but after a quick look at him, shut it again. In the following two days, Yun Men knocked and met with the same experience. On the third day, as soon as the master opened the door, Yen Men squeezed in. The master grabbed him, saying, Speak! Speak! As Yun Men fumbled for something to say, the master pushed him out, saying, A time relic of a drill. In other words, a rusty old drill. And shut the door so quickly that it hurt Yen, one of Yenmen's feet. Actually, another account says that he actually broke his foot. This initiated him into Chan. In other words, he had an awakening experience at that point. get a sense of how, uh, 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 how Yen Men taught quite a bit of the time. Um, he, as John Wu says, the author of this book says, uh, Yin Men has been noted in Chan circles for his one-word barriers. So a monk asked, what is the right Dharma I? Yen Men said, all-comprehensive. Another question was, how do you look at the wonderful coincidence between the chick tapping inside the shell and the hen pecking from the outside? Yenmen answered, echo. Another question, what is the one road of Men? He answered, personal experience. Somebody else asked, what is the Tao? What is the Tao? His answer was, go. Jian Wu goes on, he says, as another means of his teaching, Yunmen Man used his staff as a pointer. He says, we must always keep in mind um, in reading some of his utterances, which on their surface may sound like braggings of a magician waving his wand, let me give you some instances. He says, One day, Yin Man held up his staff before the assembly and declared, This staff has transformed itself into a dragon and has swallowed up the whole cosmos. Where then have the mountains and rivers and the immense earth come from? On another occasion, holding up his staff, he sang aloud, Lo and behold, the old fellow, Shakya has come here. And on still another occasion, he abruptly asked his audience, Do you want to make the acquaintance of the patriarchs? Pointing at them with his staff, he announced, The patriarchs are capering on your heads. Do you want to know where their eyes are? Their eyes are under your feet. you want to know where the Buddhas are? So that's Yunmen, to give you a sense of how he taught. So 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 Yunmen um, said, um, I don't ask about the days before the 15th of the month, but what about after the 15th? And he answered for the monks, every day is a good day. So on the surface, of course, this phrase of "every day is a good day" seems quite, you know, quite basic, quite elementary. Um, so many of us believe that, at um, some level—I I, I don't say consciously—but on some level, we hold out for the possibility that one day everything's going to settle down for us, right? That one day we're going to get to the point where we have a good day every day. Um, maybe, maybe it's about reaching a certain spiritual development, or maybe it's reaching a certain time in our life, but, but if you search yourself, maybe that's inside of you, that that one day we will finally settle things, and then we'll get to living. Um, and, but the opposite sometimes goes along with that too, which is, I'll never get there. Every day is going to be a bad day. You know, all I see is bad days ahead. I heard somewhere that it can take up to five positive thoughts to counter every negative thought. That we have to have five positive thoughts for every negative thought. To come to some kind of balance because we have so many darn negative thoughts. Like that's our that's what's prevalent for most of us. And of course, there's some reason for that evolutionarily, right? That negative thinking keeps us safe in in, in a way. Right? Imagine being out on the Serengeti and having nothing but positive thoughts. <laughs> You know, you're sitting around the campfire at night and you hear the rustling in the leaves, right? Oh, listen to that wonderful rustling. It sounds so beautiful. Crunch! (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So negative thinking has its purpose. It has its purpose. Um... But with our negative thinking comes, of course, the onslaught of worrying, of pre-planning. And what's so destructive about it, then, is self-doubt that emerges. It kind of takes uh, form in the world, but then turns around and hits us. It becomes self-doubt. And so I think what some people do, especially in our interactions with others, is we we try to cover up our negative thinking with positive thinking, like with other people. So somebody will say, well, how are you doing? And what's your response? Doing great. Doing awesome. Of course, this, um, you know, in the last what thirty years or so, there's been this positive psychology movement. Have You guys heard about this uh, sort of? Um, I looked it up. I, I, I don't practice positive psychology uh, psychotherapy, but I, so I, I looked it up in Wikipedia, and uh, it says that positive psychology is quote the scientific study of what it of what makes life most worth living. And it says that it's concerned with eudaimonia, which is the good life. Um, Positive psychologists, uh, it says, have suggested a number of ways in which individual happiness may be fostered, such as social ties with a spouse, family, friends, and a wider network through work, clubs, or social organizations. Also, physical exercise and the practice of meditation may also contribute to happiness. Um, and then it says, uh, happiness may also rise with increasing financial income, though it may plateau or even fall when no further gains are made. Uh, and then I came across an article by Jane Brody in the New York Times about Uh, negative and positive thinkers. And she said, uh, in addition to all those other things, she said, uh, cultivating positive thoughts and emotions, accepting yourself, doing good for other people, are just some of the ways you can experience more happiness. And I read that and got, God, that's a lot of pressure. (laughs) You know, that's a lot of work. So, but anyway, so before we go any further with that whole thing, um, let's turn back to the koan for a second, because it says, don't give me a word about before the 15th. I don't want to know about before the 15th of the month, but what about after the 15th? So, what about this? Um, In ancient China, the the calendar that they followed was a lunar calendar. It was... um, Based on the cycle of the moon. And the beginning was a new moon. And then when it got to the 15th, it was a full moon. Or about the 15th. And then, of course, it waned after that. And I remembered this poem from Master Dogen. And he said, Enlightenment is like the moon reflected on the water. The moon does not get wet, nor is the water broken. Although its light is wide and great, the moon is reflected even in a puddle an inch wide. The whole moon and the entire sky are reflected in one dewdrop on the grass. Dogen reminds us that the moon of truth is everywhere. It doesn't discriminate. And when he says that the moon cannot get wet, nor the water cannot be broken, it goes back, of course, to the Buddha, who said that all beings are whole and complete. In other words, unbroken. I've been obsessed with our road lately, with our potholes. (laughs) Poor uh, Andrew. (laughs) Poor Andrew. (laughs) Poor Andrew, poor Poor Scott, poor Greg, poor me. The only one that seems to like them is Layla, because they're ready-made water uh, drinking holes. But We were taking a walk last night. Uh, Well, actually, we take a walk every night, but... One night, it was particularly uh, beautiful with the moon, you know, uh, guiding us down. I don't think that was last night because it was cloudy, but seeing the moon um, reflected in even those muddy puddles in the potholes. There's this famous painting by Zen Master Hakuin. I don't know how many people have seen it. If you haven't checked out his art, please do. Master Hakuin was not only this incredibly enlightened uh, 18th century Zen teacher in Japan, but he was this prolific artist and, and poet and writer. And he has this painting of a monkey who is out on a limb, like dangling from this limb over this body of water. And the monkey's reaching down to try to grasp the moon out of the water. Of course, the monkey mistakes the reflection for the moon itself, right? Um, And so, how many of us mistake the reflection for the thing itself, we grasp after reflections? And this really ties into this koan when it's talking about every day is a good day. How many of us are searching for this goodness through reflections? Our ideas, in other words, our ideas of what's going to bring us happiness. Recently I was talking to someone who... um, a young person who's trying to decide what path to take. You know, do I go to college? Do I uh, go to vocational school? Do I work for a little while before going to college? And she was really hell bent on this uh, prevalent idea that I have to be passionate about whatever I do for a living. Like whatever I'm going to do, I have to be passionate about it. I have to love it. And one of my teachers said one time, he said, instead of being, having to be passionate about what you do, what about being passionate about everything you do? Like not having it have to be based on one thing or another. In other words, you know, losing yourself in everything that you do, that you're doing. one of the reflections that we often chase, one of the images that we often chase is that one day we will have more positive thoughts and we will have less negative thoughts. That one day we won't get angry anymore, one day we won't get jealous anymore, one day we won't get annoyed anymore. And to me what this asks really is if this is the case in our practice, what do we imagine being awakened or enlightened is about? Um, to get an idea, uh, we can turn to Zen Master Joshu or Cho. Uh, and Andrew, is that how you say it, by the way? Chaozhou. Chaozhou. <clears throat> yeah, Jiao-jiao. He said, "You are used by the twenty-four hours, but I use the twenty-four hours." You are used by the 24 hours. I use the 24 hours. And I think most of us can relate to what it feels like to be used by the 24 hours. You know, maybe even abused by the 24 hours. <laughs> right? You know, perhaps we the night before we get a terrible night's sleep, and then we wake up on the wrong side of the bed... And then on the way to work, we realize we haven't gotten gas, and so the line's long at the pump, or, you know, and then on it goes, it just sort of wears on us. People at work are annoying. Um, Our spouse is unforgiving. And then we finally come home, and maybe our dog is, you know, chewed, (laughs) chewed through the couch or something crazy. So, when when Chow, uh, Zhao Zhou says that he uses the 24 hours, um, does that mean that he doesn't let things happen to him? That he doesn't let bad things happen in his life? That somehow he's, like, organized his life enough in order to not let shit happen to him? <laughs> you know, that he always gets a good night's sleep? That he always has... Surrounds himself with people that are enlightened and caring and responsive, and that he has a, a Zen dog that never chews through things. <laughs> you know? What does it mean to not be used by the 24 hours? Um, again, I think for clarifying that, you could again look at Zhao Zhou, who a monk once asked him, it's, a monk said, is a baby possessed by the six senses. And Joshu or Zhao Zhou said, It's like a ball bouncing on a rapidly flowing stream. When the monk asked another teacher what Zhao Zhou meant, that teacher replied Moment by moment it flows endlessly. Moment by moment it flows. Another translation is flowing without stopping. Leading things as they come. Not being weighed down by things and circumstances. So, it's really difficult to. In my experience, maybe if somebody has a different experience, I want to know about it, to be honest. But from my experience so far, it's really difficult to stop negative thoughts. It's really difficult to stop negative thinking. And the flip side, it's very difficult to manufacture positive thoughts. Like to just make them happen. It's in a way trying to... When we try to do that, what we're trying to do is defeat our mind with our mind. We're trying to... It's like trying to um, have an apple tree uh, produce oranges or something. It's impossible. And so many of us spend a lot of our time trying to fight ourselves, trying to fight... Our nature, our habits, our shortcomings, our moodiness, our anger, our histories. And for some of us, hopefully through practice, we begin to recognize that that is the trap. That's it. In other words, that's just another way that we create suffering for ourselves. Because not only now do we have the negative thinking, the negative feelings. But then on top of that, we get negative about the negativity. Right? Oh, I shouldn't feel this way. I shouldn't do this. I shouldn't think that. And so we're adding layer upon layer of confusion to the mind. So perhaps... After a while of practicing, we learn that rather than trying to change our thinking, we begin to see that the solution, so to speak, actually, it's not really a solution, because then we're back into sort of problem solving mode. But the solution, for lack of a better word, is to learn to let things be. That real practice is about accepting everything accepting everything as it is. And so the practice itself is about recognizing those pockets of resistance where we're still holding to wanting to change, wanting the project of change. We can notice that in our bodies, tension, stress, in tightness. We can notice that in our minds. And and then practice. Practice letting go. Like right now, right here, right now, we're all holding to something. We've got an idea in our head. We've got something that we're not letting go of. And so could we Practice right now letting go, and just being. And this letting go is a process that becomes more and more uh, subtle. It's I've heard that I. I don't know much about science, but something about approaching the speed of light. It's like you can get faster and faster and faster, but you can never get to 100%. Like you can get up to 99%, 99 99.1%, 99.2, and it just keeps getting faster and faster, but you can never quite, We would never be able to get up to the speed of light. And so with practice, it seems like we can get more and more subtle, more and more in-depth into, get closer and closer to that 100% of letting go, letting go. But unlike approaching the speed of light as a human, we can learn to let go 100%. Just as Joshu says, or Chow Cho says, moment by moment, flowing without stopping, like a ball on a swiftly moving river, just going with it. And so one of the cautions with that, of course, is that some people may say, well, that's kind of a passive approach of just letting things be. You know, just letting things be. Um, But you know it's not really a passivity it's more a giving up of a fight being a giving up of a fight doesn't have to be passive it can quite it can actually be quite active so in that way we're not being used by the 24 hours we're not battered around constantly in our own search for something different we're not attached to whether we're having a good day or a bad day in that conventional sense so as we come back to the call on that, every day is a good day every day is a good day from a zen sense can you begin to get a sense of what having a good day is about then not getting caught in good and bad. So, going back to that um, painting by Hawkwind, he actually commented on his own painting and he said, The monkey is reaching for the moon in the water. Until death overtakes him, he'll never give up. If he'd let go of the branch and disappear in the deep pool, the whole world would shine with dazzling purity.